0: Welcome to another weekly episode of Last Ones at the Bar, where we devote an hour or two to in-depth discussions about the sweet science, also known as the sport of boxing. My name is William Henry, and I'm sharing this session with two other lovers of the sport of boxing, and that is Daniel Lee and LaVille Jackson. As they used to say back in the days, fellas, how do you do it?
1: Hey, what's up? What's good with y'all boys? Y'all good? Everything is great on this end,
0: my man. Um, so you know, like I said, I like to throw a few softballs out there that you fellas, you know, to start these sessions off, you know, to get you loosened up and ready to have these in-depth discussions. So my first question is this, man, you know, for me, I just, you know, I'm in an education field and my last day was Friday, you know, so I've been putting together my travel plans and So my question for you, fellas, for this summer, do you have any any major uh, travel plans that you have uh, coming up?
1: Nothing major for me. Um, We are taking like a family trip to visit my brother and he's in Akron, but we're going to be in based in Cleveland for the duration of that trip. You know, we haven't visited him since he moved, what, five years ago. And so this will be our first time, you know, up there. But outside of that, I don't have a, a whole lot going on. I'm just going to try to, I mean, prices of everything is crazy, you know, to travel, to eat, to drink, to breathe. All the prices are crazy. So I'm going to be mostly kind of with my head down, just kind of stacking and, you know, grinding it out. Otherwise, you know what I mean?
0: Like, like, no, grinding all your life, huh?
1: Got to.
2: Yeah, it's not much major for me. Um I did lose some of my time, so I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, leave left. But I'll, I'll be taking some weekends here and there going a few places. The wife and I, have, uh, you know, every summer I have to see a beach, you know, uh, beach somewhere, whether it's Myrtle Beach or um, uh, Ocean City uh, or Wildwood, New Jersey. Uh, might even check out Atlantic City. Um, But also uh, I'll probably make a trip to uh, Detroit uh, to see my family. I haven't decided yet, but that looks likely too for 4th of July.
0: okay, okay. Yeah, I got a few things coming up myself. I am going to Boston and Maine. Um, That's gonna be one trip that I take. So uh, I've never been to Maine, like as an adult, Um, My father, used to always say, yeah, you've been a man before, boy, you know, but I I don't remember, you know what I mean? So I want to go up there and, you know, see what it's like up there and then stop through Boston for a few days. And then I also plan on going to South Carolina. Now, from the end of July to August 11th, somewhere around there, that's when I want to plan my my major trip that I'm going to take. And that's going to be somewhere out of the country. I'm not sure. Um, if it's going to be the DR. I've been to DR so many times that I, I, I want to definitely see something different, but I love it there. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's, that's pretty much my travel. I'm going to tell you like this though, fellas, and I don't want to be going on too long with this, but I'm just happy to be back in a position to be able to see different parts of the country, different parts of the world, because remember I told you personally, you know, I don't put personal business out there like that, but Man, it was tough. You know what I mean. Like that first from December through March, it was that was a tough time. Like I probably was out of like eighteen thousand, just like just like that. You know what I mean. And so to be able to bounce back and you know be in the in the black, you understand what I'm saying? So quickly, you know, I'm just appreciative, and I just want to thank the Lord for that. You know, because I was able to rebound you know quicker than Tristan Thompson and Dennis Rock you understand what I'm saying but on that note speaking of of hooping you know we got to talk about the NBA man you know what's what's your thoughts on the Celtics and the uh Warriors at this particular moment I think they are tied up in a series so you know what's your thoughts on that
1: you know last week when we talked about it I said the Celtics are looking like they could have the trajectory of the 2015 Warriors, you know, being a beneficiary of injuries, right place right time, peaking at the right time. But I felt like after that game 4, they might be more like the 2021 Suns in the sense that they had the position to bury them. You know, with a 3-1 lead, like not a lot of teams going to come back unless you got LeBron James on it. Like, literally, that's not going to happen. And I felt like they had an opportunity to do that at home and to really put them away morally. But they didn't, and now the momentum has shifted in a way where they're going back to Golden State. And, you know, I don't think it's their series. You know, I was – I had doubled down on my Warriors pick because of, you know, our prediction way back when. So I'm going to triple down on that, and I think the Warriors are going to win. I I, I mean, it'll obviously be – a six or seven game series but I could see him winning the six yeah
2: I'll have to defer to my uh my pops on that question when I when I talk to him <laughs> on who will win the series uh well personally for now um man I don't know I don't know if I, I 100% agree with you Danny because this this I expected the Warriors to, to do a lot better in this series and and you know, you have Draymond Green, who, ha- who hasn't really been playing up to, to his full ability uh, for whatever, whatever reason. And even when you look at uh, game four, uh, even though Warriors, you know, really put it on them in the fourth quarter and, and, and got that game, uh, Steph really had to be on his A game and step it up to, to, to win that game. And uh, Golden State was down, you know, most of the probably three of the four quarters. Uh, and they just happen to, you know, be keeping it close. So this series, I actually I, I actually expect the series to go seven, seven game series. And I, I still think it's it's kind of a 50-50, but I kind of slightly lead towards the Celtics. But I, but you know, I, I'm still pulling for the Warriors.
0: Yeah, I think it's who knows, you know what I mean at this particular point in this particular juncture, because It's it's several things that's going on right now to me. See, Boston, they do this. Like, they'll still let one go. You know what I mean? That they should win. They did that against Miami. They did that against the Bucs. But then they bounce back, and it's like, you know, nothing ever happened. They don't have any lingering effects of those losses. Will this be the time that they do have a lingering effect from one of those losses they're playing against a championship caliber, a team with championship medal? You know what I mean? So, will they be able to use that victory as a springboard to catapulting them to another championship? Now, if the Warriors are going to win, then Steph is he going to have enough in the tank to be able to pull off those heroic performances? Because he's going to have to score about forty something for them to be able to win, because you're just not getting enough from those other guys. Like he just had to be able to, like put his cape on. And he's a small little dude. A lot of times, guys, in the in finals and these big games, Jimmy Butler, LeBron, like I've seen them dudes, like, get tired and fatigued, and they can't really – they just don't have it, you know? So will he have enough? But the way he plays, he may be able to, you know, do it. I don't know. Um, as far as Draymond, I think Draymond is giving you what he at. You know what I'm saying? I just think that that's where he's at right now in his career, and he's, he's uh, going against – some really good defensively sound guys and a defensively sound team. So trying to, you know, he's really not much of a score anyway, but the way he plays, anytime you lose a little bit of athleticism and you're not the most athletic person already, then it just seems to, you know, it it, it could have like, uh, deleterious effects on someone's game, like a Draymond, especially, like I say, going against somebody like that or a team like that. So that's what I think. But I have a question for you, a follow-up question before we get off into these topics, man. What do you think about Draymond, his unwillingness to not do the podcast? Do you think that, now I think that it really would be more of a storyline had they lost that last game, but since they won, I don't think it's that big of a story. But What do you think about that? Helen? Like I said, no, I'm doing a podcast,
1: you know, even when he's not playing so, so good. I don't blame so him. You know, like basketball players and athletes in general, there's this expectation that they're supposed to soak in their locker room or soak in, you know, whatever, you know, when they lose or when they win, you know, when they're seen in public, it's like, why are they out? And it's like, you know, you have a bad day at the office. Happy hour was made around having a bad day at the office, you know, more or less. Or or a good day. Yeah, 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 for sure, for (laughs) sure. And similar to that, the podcast is good day or bad day for Draymond. You know what I mean? He committed to it. I listened to a previous episode because he was on Old Man and the Three, JJ's, and he had gotten advice from JJ about, like, if you're going to do this, you got to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, what do the fans want? Do the fans want someone to be consistent? Do they want access to the athletes, or do they just want to police how – Athletes spend their time after the game, good or bad. So I'm in favor of him recording. I don't really have an opinion on that, honestly.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I do. I, I, I'm with you, Dad. Like, man, forget what they're talking about. Do what it is that you do, man. Like, that's he's not hurting anybody. You know what I mean? He's talking about basketball. He just played in the game. He has the most insight. You know, what is he supposed to do? Go on to like interview with somebody else, or are you supposed to, like you say, salt? No, he did the best he could. He's not even doing anything that. Is like gonna help or hurt his performance. Because after he gets off of, off of the you know, podcast, whatever, he can rest or do it, watch film or whatever, you know what I mean? He needs to do. So it's not like he's doing anything. Now, if he was out like just gambling, partying and stuff like that, and you, you playing that way, that might be a little bit of a different story. But he's just, you know, talking a little bit about you know what it is that he saw, what it is that, that was going on in the game. And, you probably want to hear from somebody who's actually participating, and performing, to know you know where their head is you know when it comes to the game. And I don't know. I don't listen to his podcast now. If he's telling some secrets or something like that, you know, as far as what okay in this play right here, this is what we like to do. You know, and uh, the Celtics just over there taking notes like, oh okay, that's what they you know. Then that's a whole different story. But just you know talking about the game, I don't see anything wrong with that. But anyway. I also don't see anything wrong with talking about these topics that we're going to discuss. So let's go ahead and go to the zone card where you had Jaime Mugia. He was taking on uh, Jimmy Kelly, Irish Jimmy Kelly. Bill, what did you think about Jaime's performance yesterday?
2: So Jaime Mugia versus Jimmy Kelly. Honestly, I was more impressed with Jimmy Kelly than anything. I mean, he 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 had he went to this fight. Uh, he was out. Obviously, the smaller guy, I mean, look, it was a size difference where Mugia just looked a lot thicker. But Kelly had Mugia, you know, backing up. You know, he was hitting them with combinations and counters and, 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 and all that. Uh, I think I had him winning uh, rounds one, two, and three. Kelly caught uh, Mugia with a leaping left hook in the second round that, that got his attention. Uh, and Mugia was trying to make it a rough fight and it just was not working. Then he tried to pressure uh, Kelly. That really wasn't working that well because Kelly was, you know, countering through him and, and hitting him with these weird shots. Really, Mugia really didn't come a factor until he caught Kelly in the, uh, in the fifth round with that left hook when uh, Jimmy Kelly, he made this amateur mistake kind of backing up and he wasn't protected from, from a clinch. Uh, and McGear caught him backing up with a left hook that basically you know put him down. Um, Kelly got up, uh, even by looking on his face, he, he was hurt. I, I mean, he, he wasn't going to make it out of that round from when, when I saw it. Uh, um, Mugea put him down again with the right uppercut. Kelly got back up. I mean, you can't knock him for, 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 for getting up. Uh, and, and McGear just pretty much you know, unloaded on him and, and uh, dropped him a third time, prompting the referee to uh, to stop the fight. Now, when I look at Mogia, you know, after his victory with victory over Saddam Ali, um, he had some performances that wasn't very impressive, so Golden Boy kind of fed him you know, a certain number of, of level of opponents uh, to try to work on some things. But we look at Mogia, he's 25 years old, so at this point it's kind of is what it is. And with him, I mean, he's great offensively, like when you look at him offensively, he's pretty good, but defensive wise, and, and there's a lot of holes in his game. And then also when when he's with the fighter who can match him with firefighter or is not going to lay down or, you know, his punches don't really affect the, his opponent that easily, he seems to have a little bit of trouble Uh, and he doesn't have, you know, enough things in his bag to pull out, which is gonna help him on the top level. Uh, and some of that I think is, is due to him not really having a long amateur career, um, because if I'm gonna compare him to somebody and, and you know, uh, when you look at someone like a, a puncher, like Miguel Cotto, a boxer puncher, those combinations great with the jab and all that. Cotto had enough amateur experience that, you know, once he started stepping up the level and getting hurt and getting caught and things of that nature, he could dig in his bag and still be a effective boxing. Whereas you know magia really didn't seem effective when he was boxing. You know, and when Koto, you know, stepped up to fight uh Shane Mosley, he was able to dig in that bag further as Mosley expected him to be more come forward type of fighter. And, and we saw Miguel Koto moving around and, and sticking and moving and being accurate. So I said to say, up to this point, Mogia, he he hasn't really shown all those type of wrinkles that that, that can show that he can be, he can really, you know, beat someone on top level, like a Charlo or someone like that. So he's going to have trouble. But at at the same time, at this point, it is what it is. You know, at this point, unless he's going to change trainers or have some epiphany, he's not going to change too much. So, I mean, it was good performance that his, 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 Power bailed him out, but I would be concerned if I was his handlers about how often that power can bail him out because you have guys, you know, that when you hit them, they may not go anywhere. It may not hurt them, and you're going to have to have something to, 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 to come get in that bag and, and pull it out for. it. Is that it, sir? Yes, sir.
0: I didn't think right. that deeply into what I saw. You know what I mean? In this Heine McGee-Jim Kelly matchup, you know what I mean? And don't confuse Jim Kelly, you know, for the martial arts and actor, you know. You know, the the man who famously said, man, you come right out of a comic book. You know, that's not who we're talking about, right? We're talking about the boxer from Ireland. I thought that Kelly was impressive. He won about 15 minutes of the fight. But this is a sport of box, and all it takes is one right hand, one left hook. And you know, that can change the trajectory of any match. It can change the trajectory of your career. You know what I mean? And that's what the sweet science is all about, you know. Uh, like I said, Kelly came out confident, crafty. I had him winning the first four rounds as well, you know. And you mentioned the fact that McGill was rocked right with a left hook in a third. And he was doing a good job of boxing and jabbing like really well. And McGee, he looked slightly off a little bit, but also Kelly was looking really promising, you know, and I'll tell you what I think that McGee looked at. He was a little overconfident. He looked at the amount of KOs that Kelly had He didn't respect him. And he just didn't know anything about his opponent. And so he looking at, okay, this dude lost the, um, you know what I mean? Uh, he brutally, you know, got beat up by Liam Smith, But then the other loss that he had as well. He was like, man, those dudes aren't even that good. And he's coming up in weight. So this is going to be a piece of cake. You know what I mean? This is going to be a breeze. And he found out you can't do that in the sport of boxing. And with Jaime McGee, to me, Jaime McGee is really good. He's offensively gifted. I just think that he's not good enough to be taking people lightly. That's the thing. You know, he's going to be looking mediocre in, in the way they are matching him he could be like that sometimes because you, it's hard to get up for these type of dudes when he's already beat people like Gabe and he mentioned Saddam Ali, Like He's had some success already and so by you giving him about 37 to about, I maybe mean, 35 to 37, kind of like I wouldn't call him a tomato can, but guys that is his heart, like when he's younger in his career, he's trying to develop, then you can do that. But at this stage, I don't think that he's going to continue to be able to get up because he's ranked number one in a lot of the governing bodies. Like it's time for you to, you know, put up a show. Um, but yeah, that's what I saw, you know, good performance by Jim Kelly, Jimmy Kelly. And I think that, well, yeah, he'll be straight, you know. It, 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 he'll be all right. I, I think that he's very competitive against any of those guys that you mentioned. I think he's even competitive against um, Andre. you know what I mean? Because he's dangerous and he has an engine and he has that power. And so, you know, i like to see where the kid goes with, but no more of these types of fights. Though.
1: That's all I have. Definitely no more of those types of fights. However, now I'll preface this by saying I would avoid him like the plague, but if he is looking to fight someone like a boo-boo, then fighting, you know, a a less skilled person who moves around is a good idea for that. You know what I mean? Um, You know, but that's not something I would do if I was De La Hoya. But that said, you know, I don't have much else to add. Kelly was boxing very well. But the thing with Jimmy Kelly is he was going to have to fight that way for seven more rounds without getting caught, you know, and his shots – Just didn't hurt McGee. He didn't have the power to really, you know, sway him from doing what he was going to do. So that was a tough ask to say, "Hey, move around and box this way for thirty-six minutes." And so, you know, what happened? What you know was going to happen? You know, McGee is aggressive, and his power was going to catch up at some point. It was just, I think, it was just surprising to see him look kind of—I wouldn't say confused, but for him to have taken so long to do something with that. You know what I mean? But um, you know, he said he's this was a catch-weight fight. They were at 165. He said he's ready to go back to 160, to compete for a title, called out Jamal Charlo again. I think we're gonna be back in that situation where, you know, Golden Boy or PBC isn't really gonna wanna deal with Golden Boy. So um, I don't know if, if he wants the title. I don't know where he goes from here because Triple G is tied up with Canelo and we don't know what Triple G is going to do after that. I don't see how a 40-year-old goes from Canelo to Mangia with respect to Munguia, um, unless he really still wants to fight after that. And then, you know, I don't think Charlo is really going to, you know, make any moves, when especially when he has options on the PBC side. And so I don't really know what he's, you know where he goes from here. We'll, we'll see. But you guys have anything else?
0: Yeah, I know where he goes. is going to be the mess out the Triple G. Triple G's going to probably retire, you know, and then he's going to need to get one of them belts. Or, you know, if some of those are going to be mandated. He's number one. So somebody's going to do something. And, you know, I, one thing I did not mention uh, about Kelly, though, is that he made that cardinal sense of dropping his hands and stepping back. And that's when he got caught. He was doing a, a superb job up until that point. That's mm-hmm. something that I, I I first noticed. I want to say that was back in 87, June 18th, I believe. It was a couple of days after my birthday when um Mike McHow. Mike McCall was fighting Donald Curry. And I was hoping Donald Curry was gonna win. And I was like, I was just for sure. He's doing just such an amazing job for the first four rounds against the body snatch. Then he made the fatal mistake. He stepped back dropped his hands, and then McCallum hit him with a flush left hook. Lights out. He was looking up at the ceiling. Referee waved the fight. No need to even count. You know, I remember that just like it was yesterday. And Kelly did the same thing, but he didn't. You know, get knocked out cold. But that was definitely the end of the fight. You can't do that in the sport. But that's boxing one on one, right there. Do not drop your hands and step directly back. You got to be moving to the side. Just don't drop your hands. You know, keep your hands up all the whole time. But um. Again, I, I see more promise I don't get. Like, dudes have these moments. I've seen Triple G fighting Steve Rose. Steve Rose was, to me, was very competitive. He was on the verge of either being, like, very the draw, or he may have been up. Triple G may have been up. Seeing guys do this where they don't really respect that opponent. Looking at that record, you don't have that many KOs. You look at the guys you face, and that tends to happen, you know. Um. But I see, when I see Honey McGee on and he's clicking, like offensively, like I said, I would not be surprised if he's not, if he didn't beat any of those guys. I've seen Charlo look horrible against the last guy he was facing, you know? Um, so I don't use this as any gauge of where Honey McGee is not as good as what they say saying he is. Because like I said, I've seen him too many times look very impressive, especially offensively. And then in that Gabe Rosado fight, I saw a few more wrinkles in there where he was able to take away certain things that his opponent wanted to do. Not to say that Gabe Rosado is this world beater, but he is an experienced guy with the timing and, and he took that away from him on many occasions. So, you know, it, it's just one that, you know, it, it happens in the sport of boxing. You know what I mean? It just it, again, I mean, don't take these guys lightly, and as far as his handlers, don't keep putting them in there with these dudes um, like this because you might end up being like, um, what is it, Garcia, Mikey Garcia, when he tried to cherry pick, and it went wrong. And he did the same thing in this fight. He thought that he looked at the the, the of chaos that the guy had, who he lost to, and it was like, you know, Sandover, whatever his name is, he thought that he was just gonna be able to beat them. Like there's no way the inner works guy's gonna beat him. And once I like, get to touching them, then
1: I'm gonna the fight's gonna be over. And you see what happened to him. So do kind of you good, man. Just again, you know, move on. Yeah, I'm not I'm less I'm not less high on him. I just would say again, avoid Andre like the plague. So if you can get triple G, or if you can get Charlo, go for it. But I I think that you know, Andre is going to present a style match up there. That's all I would say about that. That's all I drew from that performance, really. Man, he's boo-boo, boo he's he the boogie man
0: for what? Like, what? He's talented. I don't see him fighting anybody. Like, come on, man. This dude is about 35 years old fighting uh Jimmy Kelly still. You know what I'm saying? Come
1: on, now, No, I'm with you. I'm with you. You, you guys have anything, anything else? no
0: <laughs> no nah. nah, i'm drinking this coffee so i'm riled up let's go
1: ahead and go to this next topic what's up we on it let's, so last night on espn top Rank had a card and the headliner on puerto rican day parade weekend was edgar Berlanga back in action after a few months of inactivity and he fought the 38 year old alexis angulo what did you guys think about this fight now,
0: this is the one right here to me, he needed to really, I don't know if he needs to do some soul searching, but they they, they definitely um, need to work and bring some people in to help this fella out to me, you know, Angulo was coming to this fight, he had to make weight the day of, he, he uh, was tipping the scales at the weigh-in, I want to say he in like 169 or something like that, but he made weight the day of um, as far as the fight is concerned, I just wrote down a few notes that I had from it. And what I saw, like round one, I thought Berlin was doing a good job of surging the ankle. It was kind of filling out round round two. Uh Berlin definitely was uh, boxing off the back foot, but he was covering more effectively in that round. And then I thought that in the third and Gulo, he was still applying that pressure. And what I was thinking about the third round, like and how is, is he going to be able to hold up? And remember in my prediction, I was saying that I thought that Berlin was going to be in some really good shape because of the fact that he faced such scrutiny in his previous performances. And I knew that he was going to come into this fight in dog shape, um, but I don't know if he was in, he was in the best shape he possibly could, but the fact that he doesn't go around that often, like late into fights, which he has his last few fights, I don't think that he knows what he has left. So he's kind of like pacing himself. You can see him looking up at the clock, and things of that nature the more he does it I think the more experienced that he will be in knowing when to like push push it and then when to take his foot off the gas he just doesn't know right now because he hasn't experienced that enough but I just knew and Gula was applying a lot of physical and mental pressure by just plotting forward and throwing punches and and Gula in this fight he looked better to me than I've seen but he faced against the elite of the elite so he was facing guys like Zergo and then he he also lost to Benavidez. So it was hard to look good against those dudes. Like I said, it was the lead of the lead. But in this fight, he was doing more punching, like when Berlinga was trying to throw. The only thing that he was doing wrong is he don't know how to cut off the ring. And Berlinga, it was a couple times where he could have like either step to his left to cut him off where he would have been right there in punching range. He just wasn't doing it. But I thought rounds one through three, I gave those two. Berlingo. round four, I gave it to Angulo. He just kept applying that pressure. He was chopping away. And um, I think that he won round four. Round five I also gave it to Angulo. It was not much action, but Angulo was just, he was busier. You know what I mean? And he That that was when I started noticing um, Berlinga looking up at the clock. And so I gave rounds four and five to Angulo, round five uh, or round six, seven. I gave that to Berlingo, round seven. He was just slightly doing a little bit more that Angulo, It wasn't too much action going on. And then also what I noticed here as well is that that big, strong, one hundred and sixty-eight pound fighter, like Angulo, I can tell that Berlingo he just doesn't have enough bricks in his pockets. You know what I mean? Angulo just looked like he's just solid. Like when he would touch Berlinga, it seemed like it was more effective than when Berlinga was hitting him, which it didn't surprise me, but it just solidified the point that Berlinga's power isn't what they were making it out to be. You know what I mean? And he's just not, to me, he's like a 166, 165 pound fighter, you know what I mean? But, you know, there's no weight class for that. And then also, um, when Berlinga was staying stationary, he couldn't stay there long because Angulo's punches, they were just too strong. And yeah, he, 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 he's going to definitely. So, but that being said, then I'll get to what, I, what I, that point I'm going to make in a second. But around nine, I get that also that Angulo. And then around 10, I thought that Berlinga was winning, but he did get caught towards the end. And that would have been interesting if this was a 12 round fight, but all in all, I thought that uh, the good that I took out of this was that Berlinga, he did well from boxing, you know, and moving around, you know, to victory. You know, I thought that was something that he can put like a feather in his cap that he's able to do that against a fighter, the caliber of uh, Angulo. You know, I also think the good was that he gained some more experience against probably the best fighter that he's faced so far, you know, and so that was good. The bad thing is that Agulo appeared to be stronger and, and heavier handed and he had success when Berlinga attempted to like settle down and fight him on the inside. And so like, this is what I, the point I was about to make previously is that so what is what is what's gonna happen if he face guys like the if he faces guys even like Ryder, Ryder likes it on the inside like that, you know, the rail, Morio, you know, and can he will he be able to stand up 10 rounds against those guys? You know what I mean? So I and I don't I think right now the answer is no. And then the ugly is gonna be the fact the eighth round, you can't be over here nibbling on people's ears, you know what I'm saying? So all in all, you know, good victory, but, you know, can calm down with the, you know, power punch and knockout artist type thing, and he can build on from this victory. Um, the, I, the, the other thing, too, I don't know, as far as the fanfare, he brings them out. You know, if he's going to be fighting like this, will he continue to have the fanfare that he's happened? But I just thought, all in all, it was, it was a pretty good victory for him.
1: Well, he was getting booed by his own people last night, you know, and I think I think he owed him an apology, to be honest with you, because it was just a lackluster performance. And I know you said they need to bring people in and, you know, they bought into people, you know, he's had a and, you know, maybe you meant and <laughs> and this is probably where I'm going to go with it. But maybe you mean like a, and I'm not even trying to, you know, disparage him in that way, but seriously, like a, a mental health professional, like a sports psychologist, because. His head just wasn't there, you know, like I was watching the first few rounds. At first, I was glad he was being patient, um, although I would have wanted to see him work the jab more. But by the middle rounds, he was still plodding his feet like he did against Rose. And at first, I thought Angula was weight drained because of, you know, the weight incident. But, you know, he was there to be hit. And, you know, what I thought was Berlinga being tentative was just him not working the jab. It was him being gassed. And his body language just came off like he didn't want to be there. You know, like you said, he was looking at the clock in the fifth round. Um, there was some kind of punch that Angulo got on with. And he literally turned his head to look at the ref to let the ref know that he was hit in like some kind of illegal way, which really could have got him clocked. I thought the body thing was weird in the post fight interview. He was saying that he was getting elbow, but I didn't see it during the fight. The ref never warned Gula about any elbows. So I don't know what he was talking about. And I thought it was weird. Um, you know, when the, when the fight was over and Gula was punching until the, the bell rang and, you know, Berlanga does this fake tough guy type deal. Like and when once the fight's over and I'm like, where was that energy, the whole fight? And has he ever heard of a body shot before? Like I didn't see the numbers, but I didn't understand why he was so content plotting his feet and and head hunting. You know, like if Angulo's guard is up and he's coming towards you, you know, to me, body shots seem to be the natural thing to do because if you want, if you're a power puncher and you get somebody to drop their guard because they're getting hit by the body, then the head's gonna be there to be hit. So. You know, he's brought people in. I don't understand why he brings these people in, though, when he doesn't want to actually learn anything. I'm not going to say he is who he is because he's 23. I'm not going to write him off or anything. But whatever he's on right now, to me, is mental. And I wasn't surprised that he won. I wasn't surprised by the scorecards, even. You know, as wide as they were, I had it much closer than that. But I hope that he... Goes back to the drawing board, and you know Deontay Wilder said he did the Ayahuasca, you know, after the Fury fight. Maybe he need to do that too. I don't know, but last night just didn't do it for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. The,
2: the most interesting interesting thing about this fight was though. I thought those scorecards. I'm like, it's no way that Gulo won. What one round on two scorecards, and only two rounds on the third scorecard. Matter of fact, I had I had. And, and Gulo winning 96 94 or a draw. And I could see Berlinga winning it close also. You know, and Gulo, he pretty much fought his fight a lot more than Berlinga fought his. You know, he, he had um, Berlinga on the back foot. If anyone was going to the body, it was uh, Angulo going to the body. Again, he had Berlinga backing up. Berlinga had to try to dig in his bag and try to box him, but it wasn't really working for him. And, and just like I mentioned previously with Mugia, I think it applies even more with Berlinga that he's that puncher who's going to have trouble when he can't get guys out of there. You know, it's going to be an issue. It seemed like Agulo was more effective when you know he had that high guard, and it seemed like Berlinga wouldn't really he wasn't effective punching around that guard. Uh, it was just a lot of things that I thought that Berlinga could have did better, um, but also I, I also thought that. Angulo, at some points, he gave away stretches of the round. I mean, even though he threw more punches than he, I'm used to seeing Angulo throw against opponents like Benavidez and and, and Zerto, he did still have points where uh, he's had his high guard up and wasn't doing much for a a few stretches. And then, as uh, I think, uh, Will, you alluded to earlier, he wasn't cutting off the ring like he should have. Berlinga was running around him in a circle, um, but even then, I thought that uh, Angulo did a great job uh, against Berlinga and he kind of you know exposed some flaws in Berlinga's game. And that, that, that I gotta talk about that bite because what's, what's up with that? I mean, Berlinga tried to bite, or maybe he did bite Angulo in a show. I think it was his shoulder or his trap. And I was just looking at it and I was thinking about it like, if somebody tried to bite me in my shoulder, it was just odd and and it wasn't a good look. And even the crowd at the end of the fight, they knew it wasn't a good look for Berlinga. Um, So he got away in this particular fight. Uh, But you'll have to ask a question what what was going to be like him going forward? Um, What is going to be, especially with guys like, you know, and he's he's in a, a tough weight class with, you know, Canelo and uh, Benavides, and then you have guys like David Morel who is coming up also um, that you know we alluded that that would be a, a good fight for Morel I think it'd be a better fight for Morel if he's looking for a victory now um, I, th- I just thought Berlinga would have did better um, and, and of course and Bula was busting him up plays nose and all that when You look at a fight like this, it's like who would you rather be? And when I ask myself that question, I would rather have been at Google. Anything else you, you want to share, guys? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah,
0: let me ask you a question. Yeah, ask me a question, not, not necessarily you. I'm just this is just a general question, right? Um, what do you see him as far as like right now? Would you rank
2: him like top 20, top 10 at 168? Yeah, that's where he's fighting, right? Oh, uh, I mean, at 168, I, I mean. I'm not looking at the list. I can see him in the latter end of the top 10 because he's a rising star. I mean, he's not like not number star. 18. It's,
0: it's, it's, it's talent level, sir. Not, not, I'm not a factor. Any of that types of what you see as far as his abilities,
2: would you rank him in the top 10, top 20? I can see him in the top
1: 10, 6 to, to 10. You oh. Better man than me. I, I could maybe see him in the top 20 because I don't know 20 super middleweights off top, but it ain't top 15.
0: Right. So that, that's my point. Danny. So when I say that this is a good victory for him, I'm thinking based on what I see. I don't see a guy like I, I think he has a star, you know, you know, as far as like how they market him, market him. But I don't see it. Like, there's certain things that he does. Like, you mentioned the fact that he got hit one time and he's looking at the referee. At the end of the fight, he got hit. And then it's like he used this defense mechanism of trying to, you know, come at and Google now with all this, you know, rough guy energy. To me, that's a, a fake bully. You know what I'm saying? That's somebody who's, who has a persona. And I look at him like that. So for him just to get past somebody like Ann Google, I thought that was good because I thought Ann Google had a shot of defeating him. And he even showed me more of his deficiencies. So I'm saying this is a good win. Now, as far as what they are um, pushing him as, then no. Then you will look at this like it wasn't an impressive performance. But I don't think he's capable of giving you that. So to get out of here pretty much without, you know, getting dropped again and, you know, he, he boxed, I didn't think he lost this fight. I thought that Angulo won four rounds tops. But, again, he may have did more damage, and I think he did more damage, and he probably would have wanted – didn't want to be Berlingo being punished the way he was being punished. But as far as you just talking round by round, I thought Berlinga won six rounds to me. You know what I mean? Maybe five, four, and one was a draw. But that's the way I looked at that.
1: Um,
2: Yeah, I just wanted to add
1: in those stats. That's fair. I just – for for me, it was almost like he didn't want to be there. And frankly, I didn't want to be there either because it was late and I was tired. <laughs> I had trained twice earlier. So it was like <laughs> I was just frustrated because and maybe it maybe it was, you know, more so the hype than anything else. But it'd be one thing if it was like some kind of like, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a moment in between the ninth and the 10th round. And his coach was trying to hype him up, saying, like, I love you. I love you there yeah. a box. Forget the crowd. And he was just like – he just had a stone face on it. Like, the, the coach is saying that to motivate him, and he, he's not responding. And he's had so many people in his corner at this point. It's like – it's not the coaches at that point. You know what I mean? So, it was just like, if you don't want to fight, why are you still doing this? I think I know you're this tired time. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. That too. But – Yeah, no, I, 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 I wasn't – the fight came on
0: too late. By that time, I was out Sterling Virginia, right? And
1: <laughs> while I was
0: out there, I got preoccupied, you know what I mean? But I just wasn't going to, like, they be coming on too late now, bro. Then I started watching the fights with the fight that we're gonna talk about next. And when you watching all of these different fights, these cars coming on, and, you know, you're moving around and then you coming back to the TV. And it's just, some of those fights be too late. They need to take that into consideration. You know, when you talk to a man of my age, you understand what I'm saying? Like, They're they going to end up losing viewership, you know, of certain groups because, you know, you can't even have enough fights coming on that way. All
2: right. Also, last night, we had a heavyweight bout. We had the return of Daniel Dubois, you know, taking on Trevor Bryan for the, the WBA Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Will, you saw this fight. What were your thoughts on it? Yes, sir,
0: I saw this one, you know, they was fine for the regular WBA, heavyweight portion of the belt, of the winner um, put themselves in a position to be the manager for 6 WBA side of, of the belts. And the first thing that I noticed out the gate was that just based on how the cameraman was panning around the stadium or the arena, it looked like. Tops like 300 people at this event out there in Miami. It wasn't due to COVID restrictions or anything like that. It's crazy, you know. um, And we we discussed this yesterday. uh, And Danny, you you were talking about how you know the time that they had to fight. It's in Miami. Like that was just like the worst thing you possibly can do as far as putting on an event like this. First off, the people in Miami probably don't even know these guys are. Like most of the people secondly during that time there's too much to do in Miami. you know what i'm saying people going to the beach there might be other things going on other events it's just too much to be putting this event there and Then, lastly i remember i used to go to miami often when lebron was playing with the with the heaters and when i would go and i'm also really upset with you lebron that you decided to leave because that was killing two birds in one stone i would go see you i would go to the south beach you know, and then I'll go out to some of those different um, events that they were having. So I'm still disappointed in you, sir. Um, but then I started wanting to leave and whatever. But anyway, check this out. And when I used to go see the the, the, Heels, the Heat play, we would go to the beach, we would do other stuff, then we would get dressed and go to the game. And when we would get to the game, like they doing all of this, like, Pyrogenics, whatever they call stuff with the the fire and all this type of stuff. Nobody's at the game. (laughs) Nobody's there. Now you're talking about LeBron James, you're talking about Chris Box, you're talking about D-Wade, Wade Wade County. Nobody gets to the game until about third quarter. Like that's when the stadium fills up. So, and that's them at the height of their career. This event right here, it just baffled me that. You would attempt, I think what what happens, I think Don King, they have like a new casino and he's trying to have it there, but even having it there probably should have been a little bit later. But anyway, uh, the other thing that I noticed was the fact that this fight was called the fight for freedom. That was, it was billed as, and it was in support of the Ukrainians, and everything was decked out in the yellow and blue. The last thing I noticed prior to the fight starting was that they were interviewing Trevor Bryant and he showed me a lot of lack of self-awareness in terms of his obvious um, belief in himself. Not that you're not supposed to have belief in yourself, but it was a little bit inflated, you know, based on what you've seen as far as his skills. And I'm like, is he serious about some of the stuff he's saying that he's going to do? Like, you're not even like capable of doing that, you know, based on previous performances. And then I really knew, that he suffered from lack of self-awareness when I saw his outfit that he had entering into the ring. Now, Trevor Bryan was more trimmer in this fight than I've seen him previously, but he wasn't trim enough to pull off the predominantly all-white outfit that he had on entering into the ring. You don't, when you're that rotund, you know, you, you wanna stay away from the whites, okay? Now, as far as the fight is concerned, Round one comes out, you see Dubois, he just looked to be too powerful. Um, Brian was trying to play it off where he was just trying to settle himself into the fight. You know, he was trying to stay composed, even though Dubois was throwing these huge, heavy shots, you know, his way. He just was missing. You know what I mean? It was just a matter of how long will Brian be able to, you know, elude those punches that's coming his way. And so I gave round one to Dubois, round two. Brian was having a little bit more success with his jab, and he didn't, um, well, what I didn't see was, entering into this fight, you had McGuigan, who is Dubois's new trainer. What he was saying is, you're going to see a totally different Dubois as far as the head movement. I didn't notice that, because Brian was able to land a few... Well, quite a few jabs, you know, it was, it was reminiscent of the fight that he had against Joyce. You know what I mean? It's just that Ryan doesn't have a stiff jab like Joyce, you know, it's more of a, a flickering type of jab. He's still a big man. He was landing those, those jabs. But you still had to get round two to Dubois. Round three, Dubois was doing better, you know, doing a better work. And he finally landed a clean right that hurt Brian. You know, at the end of the round so going into the round four i'm like is he going to be able to you know use that as a, a you know stepping stool and, 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 and is this the ending you know is this leading to the end of the fight you know so we shall see so then round four came around and then he caught that's dubois he caught brian um with the right hand i believe that wobble. it was either right or left i can't remember but he wowed. But the punch that he hit him with, none of these shots are really his full impact. It's just like he's just catching a flush. And then about thirty seconds later, he caught him again with a flush left that had Brian fall down face first. And they say when, he, when fighters typically land face first, that's that's the end of the fight, and it certainly was. Again, not a shot that he had full impact on, but it was just so flush. He's a big guy, you know what I mean? A big, heavy-handed guy. And so he ended things. Uh, Now, that was, to me, was an impressive victory. And the end was one minute and 58 seconds in the fourth round. He becomes a WBA regular title holder. What he's saying is that, or at least Shane McWiggin is saying, that they want someone like Dillian White next. It's kind of calling out Dillian White. And I think at this stage of each guy's career, I would have to favor him against Dillian White coming off a knockout loss. But if Dillian White is the Dillian White that – him at his best, then that's a really good fight because Dillian White can crack. but you know we know he's susceptible to those those uppercuts. You know, so like right now, I think that that's a good fight for Dubois. You know, moving forward, the last thing I'm gonna say is this: this was a good win, kudos to him. But at the same time, I don't think it answers any questions that we had after the Joe Joyce fight because Brian just didn't present that type of problem that would you know allow us to see him um, in a fight where he's gonna be challenged like that. So, you know, the, the you know the questions are still there, but we can transition it to uh, your thoughts or you guys' thoughts on that Donito, uh Delmer and in a way, a new fight that they had earlier in the week. Um, we, we didn't have an opportunity to touch on that. What do you guys think about that?
1: I thought that it more or less, well, the result played out the way I thought it would. The speed at which it happened played out way quicker than I thought it would. I thought that eventually, anyway, sharpness would get to him. But as they were trading, and Donaire looked game like he didn't look washed in any capacity, he didn't look older. Donaire looked like he was trying to, you know, bait him into some things. He was moving well and trying to figure him out. But anyway, it was just sharp. And towards the end of the first round, I was like, this is gonna be a problem. Uh it was definitely the second round, but I think he had a rock once in the first round. And the way, but the way he was landing so clean in the first round, I was like, this is gonna, this is not gonna end well for Donaire. And I w- I'll just say, you know, we all know how it ended at this point, you know, but I didn't learn anything new about Inoue, but I thought that it was a very impressive win. I am a De fan. I don't want to see him go out like that again. You know, for him to say he didn't see the punch coming, you know, that's scary. And there's nothing else for him, you know, at 118. I don't know what he's gonna do from here, but I know that Inoue was interested in an undisputed fight with Paul Butler. And then even possibly mention you know, moving up to 122, if he can't get that or in the future. So if this is the fight where Daenerys rides out into the sunset, you know, he had an amazing career and in a way just asserted his dominance here and show why he's at the top of the pound for pound list. That's really all I got.
0: Yeah, I learned something about a new I learned that that brother's like, kind of like Bruce Lee, you know what I'm saying? He just, he's a mean little son of a gun. You know, he was just too fast, powerful, reflexes, and just, he was on top of his A-game. And he really didn't make any adjustments other than being focused and sharp, you know, coming to this fight. Because Donaire had a couple moments where he, he, I think he landed one of those left hooks. It's just like, he wasn't even concerned about that. It's like, I'm going to get my stuff off. He's not going to be able to handle what I bring to the table. And then with all the smoke, you know what I'm saying? And he dropped him there with a big right hand, and but he finished him with a left, like a big left. So both of them, hands, man, got some power in there. And he's fast. Like I say, he's quick. He just, man, like he, he might be the best offensive fighter in boxing right now. I can't think of anybody that can put together those combinations and they barely, you know what I'm saying? Like I say, there. he landed one of those, still, but he just, and, and I knew he wasn't shying away from him. I thought, okay, the adjustment's going to be, you know, I'm just going to take away that left and then I can go ahead and, you know, catch him eventually. But nah, he went right in the mix. He jumped right on him and getting him out in the second. Very impressive, you know. And like you said, he's looking to face the other guy for the other belt. And it's going to be interesting, you know, to see, because he's not that big of a guy. Donaire look like he was bigger than him. So if he does decide to move up, the winner of the Akhmedaliev and Fulton fight, you know, that's where they reside. So I would be interested to see, will, will he be biting on more than he can chew? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But I just know that they better be aware of the hands that that boy got because he is what they call him. That is a monster.
2: Yeah. For me, this fight was, you know, it was a great performance, uh superb uh, performance by the monster. Uh to some extent, I'm I'm a fan of both guys. It was kind of hard to watch as a Nonito Donaire fan. I've been following Donaire since Vic Darcinian when he uh you know stopped Vic Darchinyan the first time. Um, because I used to hate Vic, Vic Darchinian. This one, you know, Darchinyan was on a tear through the lightweight division. Uh, so I've seen Donaire up to this point. So um, it's interesting because I even though we've seen Donaire lose. We've seen Donner get beat down too, like with, uh, I forget his name in the making. Oh, we've seen Donner- oh, so, Man, what are doing? He, he in the ring, you know what I'm saying? Hey, oh,
0: no, 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 boom no, no. Boom hold, on, on.
2: Hold, on, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, you understand know what I mean? Like, no, no, we've seen, oh, we've seen- He's in the ring, man. What do you mean? I'm saying,
0: if he in the ring, then he, he, he take a meet
2: that's on him. You know? Hey, Can't so we see, little, we've seen, no, we no, we've seen, you know Danier beat down by someone like Nicholas Walters but Walters is was was a huge guy at even at for, for featherweight standards and this is the first time we've seen Danier stop at 118 uh and he was stopped pretty bad and i th- i think this is more you know a scarier you know fight than what he went through with Nicholas Walters now Danier looking forward he's you know at 38 39 years of age um losing to what the top one of the top two or three pound for pound guys in the sport it's nothing to be ashamed about it doesn't for me it doesn't mean that he's just totally done and should just pack it up and retire even though i'll, I'll have nothing against him retiring being his age but i, th- I still think down there has a little bit left in the tank to beat you know guys that's you know ranked mid-tier in the, in, the, in the mid you know level at 118 or even some of those guys he was beating before beforehand like uh the, the, the two guys he beat before this fight. I think he can still be competitive, but I wouldn't bet on it. But it was, you know, it, it, hey, shout out to Donaire. You know, he had a great career if he decides to not to, 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 to turn in his gloves. He has nothing to be ashamed of. Now, with.
0: You know something about the winner? Like the, the monster?
2: I, I was going to go there. You won't let oh, me, man. Let me, saying, it. Man. Let I, me was... go there. Let me go. Nice. Nice. Dang, man. Now, now for way, I mean, you know, one of the top pound for pound guys. Um, I know he's there's still a bet out there for him to, to get at 118. What I think he should do, he should unify at 118. And then, you know, once, you know, so the, the unification at 122 is completed, where I think Fulton and Akamadai, they will fight. And I think Fulton will probably win that fight. You know, we, we're not 100% not sure until it happens. But that was set up a fight. We, a type of fight that we haven't seen in a long time, and probably not sure if we have seen it in the four belt belt area era, which you have a four belt champion unified undisputed champion uh, taking on another four belt unified champion in a weight class above them, you know, and and we I'm not sure if we've ever seen that in the four belt era yet. So, I mean, given the state of boxing today, it, it may not ring a super fight before a fight fan like myself and the ones you know on this podcast i mean it's it's a pretty big deal so shout out to anui i'm still excited he's one of the best offensive fighters today it's exciting to see where he's going to go from here and and it's it's interesting to think how much he's accomplished at the age he's accomplished i'm not sure if he's even 30 yet so it'll be impressive to see where he goes from here (laughs) anything else you want to share I,
0: I would definitely. Uh, I, I'm not betting against that dude. So not, not with that offense, because I I think that Madalyn he he got some power. You know what I mean? So I would be more concerned for him facing him for from a like a, a damage standpoint. Like he might take sustain some punishment, but I wouldn't I wouldn't pick against him. Not at 122. I wouldn't. I think Fulton is more tricky, but I don't think he would punish him. If he's not successful, I think the other guy has the capability of doing that, um, but I think I would favor him against both of those guys. I just think that offensively, he just has too much in his repertoire. Now, as far as uh, Nonito, hopefully he retires, not because for the fact that I'm concerned for him. I'm concerned for you, because you know? I think if he fights again he loses, you might end up, like, just boo-hooing and stuff like that. You might end up taking all work. You know yeah, you know? a tear going
2: to come down my eye. Yeah. yeah, You know, Nino down there, man, that's my guy. Yeah, I like it, too. When you get in the
0: ring, uh, man, you know, you get your bow, when you get your bow up. You know,
1: that's the nature it of the You know? It is. So moving forward to next week, fella, we have a unification fight at the 175-pound division. Arthur Beto is going to be fighting Joe Smith, Jr., for three of the four major belts in the light weight division. Uh, If you guys could give a quick take of how you guys see that going, let me know what you think.
2: Looking at this fight, you know, bitter beef, he'll probably take a little bit of time warming up, Uh, but I do think that the way he fights is, you know, his, uh, his jab, his boxing ability and his punching power and his heavy hand will be too much for uh, Joe Smith Jr. And it's probably gonna stop him around the the ninth round.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you guys have watched, the. Uh, I forget how top-ranked brands it, but it's like they're all access, but I watched the first episode of this and, you know, Joe Smith Jr. was talking about the Common Man nickname and how he got that from when he fought Bernard Hopkins. And Bernard sat there and was like, it was pointing to Joe Smith like Common Man and will point back to himself and say Uncommon. And better be, I should just get B-Hop to do the the, the press conference because this is, when it would count to me. Uh, I agree that Joe Smith Jr. has maximized his talent, but uh, Better of be is just uncommon. You know, he's a different animal, even at this age. I think he's going to overwhelm him. And I think that Joe Smith Jr.'s aggressive style is actually going to do him a disservice um, and cause him to get caught earlier. And I think he's going to get stopped around the seventh round. Yeah, when
0: I think about Joe Smith, for some reason, that like Kendrick Lamar, I Average Joe song pops to my mind. This is why they messed with me, basically my joint. But he he definitely is an average Joe, but he has that right hand. And that's, when I look, think about this fight, that's the thing that concerns me if I was better be, is that he, although he's a wrecking ball, he's destructive, he has massive power in both hands. That's the one thing that I'm concerned is him at some point, get attacked with that punch because Joe is going to be in there as long as he possibly can. He doesn't show any quit. Now, when you have guys like that who have the grit of the Joe Smith, sometimes if you have an elite fighter with something that they have like a special effect, in, and he does that special effects in both of those hands, and he's going to be in line there to receive that punishment from him, it's just a matter of if, if Joe Smith is able to endure that punishment and then be able to deliver that, that one to the kisser, you know? So that's the only thing that I think about, and that's because if you look at pretty much every box, Better B is gonna check off, like he's better at this, he's more elite at this. And just based on that, the likely scenario to me, I see Better B be um, being able to just be too destructive. You know, and I think that by the time you make it to maybe round nine, he's either going to absolutely KO Joe Smith, who is a very tough guy. I just I just think that you can't stand up to better be for twelve full rounds that nobody has so far. So I would anticipate because and then Joe is gonna be fighting. Like right? it's not like he's gonna be running away, you know, but at some point he'll catch up to him. So I'm gonna say ninth round. TKO either the referee's gonna wave it off his corners and be like, no, it's just too much, Joe. We right? gotta end these things You know, we've got a life after the boxing. So that's the way I see it. I'm gonna go ninth round TKO victory for the Beast, Arthur Better beast. All right, so let's um and, and other news. We just uh, became aware that it looks like Robert Garcia is gonna be trying to. A.J. in this rematch against Alexander Usyk. Do you think that that's
2: – how do you think that that's going to uh, work out for A.J.? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I think Robert Garcia, as far as what he brings to the table as a trainer, he, he is very offensive, offensively-minded type of trainer. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, one of the best trainers that I've ever seen, which is Emmanuel Stewart, was offensive minded also, even though he taught defense. You know he he was he was big on if you can get a guy out of there you get him out of there. So uh, I'm not sure because I I do think that the problem with AJ wasn't with his training or with who was training him. I think the problem was him mentally, and, and I'm not sure if a, a trainer is going to change that. So we'll we'll have to see when it happens. But up to this point, I'm not sure if if selecting Robert Garcia is going to help him.
0: Yeah, I think that. It's cool, you know what I mean, to get a different set of eyes and, and get, you know, somebody that's that may see a few things differently. You know what I mean? Because what he he learned from his previous coach, I don't know if he's gonna keep him and then just add Robert, you know, on. But it's always good to have a different set of eyes because then they can because if you keep doing something over and over. It's like you're gonna keep getting the same results as they say. And maybe some of the deficiencies that he may have, or some things that he's just not doing, or something that giving him that backbone that he needs in order for him to push himself in situations where he's kind of hesitant, that they that may be able to help him. You know what I mean? I don't know if Robert's over here training or if he's over there in the UK, but it will certainly help up. I, I like for a UK fighter to come to the States and get some of that, that tutelage over here. Because there's certain things I think that we have that it, it kind of helps and propels those guys to another level, like a Lennox Lewis, right? You know, you know, it, it's a little bit different him training in the crunk, you know? It gives you a little bit more of a backbone, you know? And you see things, you experience things that people push you, you know? And you gotta stand up for yourself. And I think that that may help AJ. I don't think it's gonna hurt And it may not help. It may be a situation where you need more time with each other. Hopefully it doesn't do this because sometimes when guys get new trainers, they kind of in between stops. And he definitely don't want to be in between stops against Uzi because Uzi is going to take full advantage of that because you're thinking about what you used to do and then it's like you're kind of in between. I saw uh, the most recent case of that is when I saw Danny Jacobs when he left his trainer and he was fighting against Gabe Rosado. It was partly Gabe Rosado, but it was also the fact that he was in between styles and he just didn't look like the Danny Jacobs that I was used to seeing. Yeah, so hopefully that that's not the case. I don't think that it, it's going to hurt him if he's not in between styles.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that concerns me, right? Because so he loses in what, late September? October, November or so, he goes on his tour in the U.S. interviewing or working with different trainers or whatever. And then nothing really comes of it. And now they're saying the fight's supposed to happen in August, the rematch. And now he's been working, he, he starts working with Garcia. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you interview for that job and the job is like, well, we like you, but we actually, we don't have funding for that position right now but we're going to keep your resume on file is like, why did you wait so long to, to bring him into your camp? Cause now what you have is you have what three months, maybe to change up whatever you need to be changed. And I just don't think that that's enough time. He should have been working with him or at least like meeting with him or something. Like, I think on the surface level, he's going to fix some things, but Usyk has been too good of a boxer for too long for AJ to make a change and I wouldn't say the ninth inning, but like the seventh inning. And the things that AJ would need to correct isn't like something that you correct in three months. You know what I mean? So I don't think this really changes the outcome of the fight, and I'm very perplexed as to why they waited so long to bring, you know, Robert Garcia in the camp. So it's, just, it's weird to me. Did you guys have anything else on this?
0: Um... Not really. Uh, I just think AJ, it's what Bill said, that the thing that's really going to be the most important for him is going to be mentally, man. like His heart has to be as big as his physical size or more. You know what I mean? And I think that that's where he lacks the most. You know what I'm saying? Like When it comes in, in, in certain moments, he kind of shells up and If that's not correct, I I can't see him having much any more success than he had in the first fight against Usy. See, really, A.J., his best bet was just to be the big man in there, come at Usy, you know, treat him like a little dude. But he runs risk of doing that, too, because what if he does it if he's not able to get a moderator? Then he might just be tired and fatigued, and Usy's going to buy circles one, and it could even be worse than that. But he's going to have to decide what it is. But it's best bet to me against somebody that's small and exclusive and just be going there and just roughing him up you know, and bullying him, you know what I mean? But he's just he's trying to box and stuff like that. I'm like, what are you doing? You know. So the mental approach is, is and hard. heart. And the other thing, too, you can't teach a chin. You know what I'm saying? Your chin is your chin. So he, he, he a little fragile there, too, a little broke. So, you know, we'll see. and I like AJ. AJ's a cool dude. Um, but at the same time, uh, we shall
1: see. Yeah, when I think of like the mental aspect of it, right, some of the mental aspect of it is the stability of it, which is even why it's perplexing to me that they waited so long. Because even if nothing else, for the familiarity of Robert Garcia coming into camp, you know, earlier, like that, I feel like that would have made a difference. Like, I'll give you guys an example, right? So I was gone for 10 days and I had this aura ring that tracks my sleep and it gives me like a sleep score. And my sleep score was low for the time I was gone. And I'm like, why is my heart rate up? Why is, you know, all these things, I'm still getting the same amount of sleep. This by the second night that I was back at my house in my bed, my sleep score was back to normal just because I had changed locations. And so like, it's those little things that you don't really readily think about that makes a difference when it comes to that mental stability you need to really level up your game, especially in a fight game. So it's just weird to me. You got anything else, Phil? No, sir. Cool. Uh, Last quick thing. Just came in that there was an interview with Eddie Hearn, and he was saying that Amanda Serrano and her team actually turned down the rematch after what we thought was the fight of the year so far. She turned down the rematch with Katie Taylor in Ireland. And instead, she's gonna co-headline with Jake Paul at Madison Square Garden on August 6th. You guys have any thoughts on that or you know why she may have turned that down?
0: Uh, well, I have no idea. You, you know, this information just became available. So I haven't read anything on it. I'm just speculating it is pretty um pretty sad to me because that fight right there it was set records if they decided to do it again. Um, maybe she wants this fight with Jake Paul, you know, Cole headlining this card, uh, coming up and then they can go into a rematch, but from an economic standpoint, like she would, she would really, they would really do well and it would definitely be another boost to women's boxing. So hopefully in the future, they decide to do it. Um, I don't know if she that she expressed interest in having a fight over there in Ireland in Kay Taylor's backyard. So it's just it's surprising. Maybe it's just some type of um, offer that they couldn't refuse for this upcoming bout. But I, I definitely was looking forward to the rematch because I thought that that was probably one of the best, if not the best, fight that I saw this year. Definitely the best fight that I saw of women's boxing ever. So I just want them to redo it. Then also, you know, you got that um, coinciding with the Shields and Marshall fight that's coming up. You know, it's just when it, women's boxing was just at the forefront, you know what I mean? And it's still gonna be, you know, people are gonna tune into the Jay Paul card, but as far as them just headlining an event themselves, you know, that, that, that would do a lot, you know, for the sport. Um, But it's just a fight that I want to see. So I have no clue as to why she isn't taking the rematch. But hopefully um, they'll get something
1: done after this event. Yeah, I hope it's a scenario where, you know, maybe she wants to build herself back up before that, or maybe her team wants to build herself back up. But it doesn't seem like it it had anything to do with money, because if it did have something to do with money, you know, that's a no-brainer. But I thought it was – perplexing, but, you know, it's also a thing where I guess we just got to wait and see what division is. You know, I don't know who she's going to fight at Madison Square Garden, but I think she's moving, wow. I imagine she's moving down, back down to weight to defend her belts. And so, um, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, hopefully, you know, it's a entertaining fight that she's going to be in next. And I don't know what's next for Katie Taylor with this, but, you know, good luck to both of them. Yeah. I, I kind of, I don't know. I think it might be about money and here's why.
2: Let's say you got $3 million on the table. Would you get, would you want 50% of $3 million or would you want 90% of $2.2 million? You see what I'm saying? So whoever she fights, it, it, it probably won't warrant a, a 50-50 or a 60-40 or whatever split they had last time. Um, And even even if it's not about the money, I mean, even if it's not squarely about the money when it comes to Katie Taylor, I mean, they can continue to build up to a rematch, you know, and, and, you know, Serrano could take her bout with with somebody else and showcase her more. So to try to build the rematch up even further. Because even though, you know, the the the, the first fight did what it did, it got people hype and stuff like that, it still wasn't exactly like the crossover event where, where people who don't watch boxing are like looking at women's boxing a different way so I don't know maybe it's a marketed thing with, with you know Jake Paul and, and whoever's promoting about but yeah we, we shall see you know I, I'm more curious in what Katie Taylor is going to do and what she has to say about this um, because I, I think the, the date for the fight with Serrano's next fight is set it's already set I believe it's August 8th uh, so they already have that date locked and I, and I, and I, and I don't believe that it, that they're going to change the opponent to Katie Taylor, even Katie wanted this fight. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm not honestly sure w- why they would do it that way, but you know, like a boxy fan, you know, I would more so would like to see the fight between Taylor and Serrano and see the rematch. I'm a boxy fan first. Uh, I'm not a casual fan. I'm definitely not a businessman. So. If I had to choose my pick, I would want, on August 8th, I would want to see Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor.
0: Hmm. Well, I'm going to say this. That would be, if they're thinking about, see, here's the thing. Like, when you're doing this right That that sounds all fine and dandy, but you still lost to Katie Taylor. So, if you have that limit on your record. That was a mega fight. That's the fight of your career, right? Katie Taylor's not getting any younger. She's 35 years old. To me, she's on her last legs. She couldn't just decide to hang them up. And you still got that loss on your resume. And so, regardless of what it has done, the magnitude in which it, what it did for women's life, I thought it did wonders for women's boxing because you had that field out of the ring at Madison Square, Garden, I saw people talking and social media was buzzing about that fight. So, it did some stuff for women's boxing. You know, to what degree, you know, I, I can't really call it. But like I said, when we talked about it previously, I thought just based on that buzz that it had, how it exceeded expectations, that you probably got some new young girls coming up who want to do the same thing, you know, at the very least. But, like I say, um, it, it would be, I would jump on the opportunity sooner than later and not be playing these type of games, you know, as far as not accepting the offer to get some gift back. Because like I said, Taylor. Just not getting young. She's 35 years of age, and it, she could easily just hang him up. Have one farewell fight in Ireland. She she won the fight of the uh, women's biggest boxing fight in history. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, she could play many Mayweather the mess out of uh of Serena like he did Pacquiao. not give me no rematch. I want to you know fight the century. So shoot, I'm riding up into the sun. So I'm fighting Andre Burgos and stuff like that. He'll. You know? So she better be careful playing that game. Anything else we got? No, sir. No, sir. I just want to go ahead and say an RIP to, I think his name is Sinicio um, Boutalezzi. Um, Timothy Bradley brought him up yesterday. He said he didn't know that the, the fighter passed away, but he died after that. It was a scary uh, in the ring moment that he had where he was like punching he ended up knocking a guy down out the ring and he went to the other corner and just was punching at the air. And a lot of people were making fun of that, you know, and and whatnot, but he died due to blame, bleeding. So I just want to say rest in peace to that South African pugilist. And that's the nature of this sport. You know what I mean? And and that's, that's, you know, sometimes, you know, you end up with unfortunate situations like that. So again, rest in peace to him and, you know, and
2: prayers to your family yeah. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace you know that's a very very unfortunate uh, event uh i did uh, you know see the clip uh i didn't necessarily catch the you know the jokes about it but i'm pretty sure that people it probably was a meme somewhere where people were laughing and stuff like that like they you normally do world star or whatever website when stuff like this happened but you know it is a dangerous sport so prayers to his family hopefully you know the 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 sport of boxing and organizational organizations within boxing could take it upon them themselves to make sure his family is taken care of or, or his kids are taken care of. You know, for him, you know, sacrificing his life. But also in in in, in more positive news, uh, shout out to all the fighters that were in the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame this week. I, I think they did like the last uh two or three years together um and it was a, it was a lot of big names that was on that bill this year i believe uh, floyd mayweather shane mosley um, james tony holly holm i think a lot of the, the legendary women boxers like chrissy martin lucia Riker, leila ali and wolf they were all on this bill. so uh, if you haven't you know read anything about it or seen anything about it check it out you know props to, to those fighters
0: yeah absolutely that's what i was just about to say too um you know shout out to them you know like you said it was, it was held on by floyd you got him roy jones i saw there wasn't bernard hopkins there
2: uh i know antonio tarver was there uh Andre Ward, miguel cotto yeah bernard hopkins and juan manuel marquez
0: yeah i, know I saw those guys you know chopping it up and then there was just some fighters there who was in support. I saw Terence Crawford, people like that out there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's good. Anything else before we wrap things up?
2: No sir, no sir.
0: Yeah, it's a good show, man. You know, I, I I I like how we discussed. We we was covering so many different topics. We was covering a lot of ground. These fellas right here uh, was able to you know give their takes on these predictions and. Awesome recaps. So excellent episode, folks. For sure. Always. Yeah. On that sure. note. Yeah, 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 sir. On that note, we out. Y'all have a good week. Peace. Peace.